Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Good evening. My name is Trina, and I am with the Revolutionary Sisters of the Diaspora, and we are here to talk about fathers. Our title of our show today is More Than Just DNA, Daddy's Girl Celebrating Black and Brown Fathers. But before we even get into the topic, we know that there is some there are some disturbing things happening in our country, and families are being separated. Fathers and mothers have been separated from their children, so we are just going to take a moment of silence to be with and acknowledge the folks who are experiencing pain and trauma in this moment in our country. Okay, so just by way of introduction, we are a group of women black and brown sisters who come together to discuss topical issues of race, social and economic justice, gender equality, and everything in between. We have been on the air for a year and a half now. We started out on the Power Network, and now we are on Life Coach Radio Network. And every month we come and look from a different perspective of life in the country as a woman of color. And so sometimes it's personal topics and sometimes it's topics related to politics and related to what's going on in society. Last month we we did a show honoring mothers, and we certainly, Father's Day was just Sunday, so we certainly would not want to leave the brothers out. And so that's why we're here. And so let me introduce two of our other stalwart sisters. Anne just sitting next to me in studio. Hi. And on the radio. And on the phone, we have Sabrina. Hello, everyone. This is Sabrina Woods, Senior Director at Caliber CPA Group and soon-to-be retiree. So we will talk about that a little more later. All right. All right. And and we invite you to call in. This is a, a radio show that is interactive And we already have one person on the line. We'll get to you in just a second. And so the call-in number is 347-857-2878. And we really want to discuss all facets of fathers, um, shout out your own father, talk about the absence of your father, if that is the case, if he is no longer with us, we want to you know, spend some time giving honor to his memory. You may have a husband, a brother, a son that you want to honor and and just give him a high five for being a good dad. And so first we're going to go to the phone. And caller with the 240 area code, 
Who's on the line? Good afternoon. I should say good evening. How are you? This is Mike. Hello, Mike. How are you doing this evening? Hi, Mike. Fine. How are you in in your your uh, I shouldn't say guest your panel. Doing awesome. We're good. Are we going to disclose who Mike is? We might as well disclose who Mike is. Hi, honey. Uh, Michael. How you doing, sweetheart? How are you doing? First of all, I want to applaud all of you all because you're doing great things in the community. And Sabrina, congratulations to you for your retirement or soon to be retirement. Yeah, congratulations. Six days. But we're not counting. We're Nobody's not counting. counting. No, 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 no. <laughs> Full disclosure, Michael is my husband. So, uh, Mr. Michael, did you want to say something about fathers? I could say tons about you as a father, but I'm going to let you talk since I, I can talk throughout the show. Well, I can shout, shout out to all the fathers there. Um, there are a lot, uh, for some reason, you know, we take it on the chin as far as not being there for our for our kids. But I know a lot of dads out there um, deservingly of praise um, that do a wonderful job in raising their kids. And uh, my brother is one of them. Um, we we grew up grew up without a father, and uh, we said if we ever had kids, that we want to be there for them. Not they're just in body, but also in spirit, you know, trying to, you know, guide them, give them, uh, instruct them um, to live by moral compass, have integrity, um, to be spiritual, and have a respect for, you know, other people. That was very important. So um, I, I shout out to my brother. And this past weekend um, I was with uh, – a young man. I was out of town, and he was there with his with his son. And I told his son that I wish I had a daddy like the one that he has when I was growing mm-hmm. up. Um, my situation was very difficult. Um, I lost my father to street violence, as well as I lost my mom to street violence as well. So, oh my goodness! Um, yeah, that was it. Was very difficult. And um, so pretty much uh, my my grandparents raised me, so I had a general idea, you know, what to do. You know, uh, as usual, you know, this is a female-led society. The women are always there, the grandmothers, the aunts, the sisters, they're always there. So, you know, um, I I had a general idea of what to do. I knew how to clean, cook, sew, you know, so... Um, I said I was going to be there just for my kids. So, Michael, this awesome. is Sabrina, and 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 I think that is just really, really awesome. But I, I have a question for you. Since you have one of each, you have a boy and a girl. Do you feel sometimes that there are, uh, you know, different responsibilities that you feel towards the kids, uh, or more protective, or more? Uh, instructive to the boy to then to the girl. Um, good question. Um, in 1998, I lost my wife to cancer. Mm. Um, so I was left to raise my son, who was 14, and my daughter, eight. At that time, I had to be a 
father figure and somewhat of a mother figure for my daughter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. while showing, you know, male leadership for my son. And through the grace of God, you know, he, he showed me the way. And, and I was sharing with you earlier, I pretty much knew what to do, how to to keep house and clean, sew and, and whatnot. So I knew what to do. But um, that was very challenging in in answering your question, Sabrina. Um, being there for my daughter, that was difficult. That was very difficult because at that time she had not started experiencing her, you know, her menstrual cycle. So I had to talk to her about that, and I told her it was forthcoming. So I made sure that she had the, the necessary. I can't even imagine my dad telling you something. <laughs> no. But it was, it, you know, I didn't want it to be a situation that she was at school and all of a sudden it occurred and she didn't know what to do. <laughs> and, and that's when it happened. It happened in school and she knew what to do. You know, and yeah, you're, you're better about, than my mother. My mother didn't tell me, and I thought I was dying. I I thought <laughs> I thought I was dying. <laughs> oh wow, no, and uh, it just it just turned out well. It just it really turned out well. Um, my son uh, had to make sure, you know, that he didn't succumb to what was going on in the streets. Yeah. So I was there. I kind of monitored who he played with, who his friends were. So that was very important. I remember the very first time a guy came to our house, and I knew this guy was trouble. Mm. And I told my he son. He came right to your house as a friend said, of your son's? Yeah, at that time. Mm-hmm. He came as a friend. Yeah. And I told him I didn't want you to play with this kid anymore. Uh-oh. And mm-hmm. that, you know, I squashed that relationship right then and there. So yeah, well, that that was important. Um, I don't know. Well, that's really just, that's yeah. one of the things that you you know displaying the decisiveness. You know, I think one of the things that happens in our society today is that parents are too busy trying to be their kids' friends, mm-hmm. and they don't want to hurt their feelings, or they don't want to squash their you know creativity or individuality or whatever. But um, your your children are both adults now. How old are they, Michael? Uh, my son is, ooh, Julian is 33, 32, and my daughter is 26. Wow. And um, yeah. my daughter yeah, said to me. They're doing well. They're doing very well. Um, uh, when my wife passed, my, my son went on and graduated from UMBC. And um, my daughter still, in, she's in college, you know, taking her time, but also she's working mm-hmm. full time, and she has a management, mm-hmm. uh, a manager's position. So she's doing awesome. very well. She's doing all right. Yeah. Yep. You did a good so job, they're Dad. they're doing very well, very productive. They're on their own, and um, I'm very proud of them. Congratulations. You should be proud. You should be proud, especially considering the difficulties that you had yourself and also losing your your wife when they were young. That's hard. Yeah, very challenging. I I travel, you know, all the time. I I didn't raise them. Um, We got married. um, Of course, they were adults three years, almost three years in September. Um, But I think about, you know, Michael raising those two kids 
when they were young, all those years, and he did it by himself, you know. And and you always hear about um, men, and in particular black men, who who don't walk away from their kids, don't aren't there for their kids. And I can honestly say that, uh, with the exception of one person in my family, all of our men have stayed with their, you know, have, even if they haven't been with the with the woman, they have taken care of their kids. Mm-hmm. So and Michael Thank is a testament to taking care of their taking care of his kids. I mean, he didn't really have he couldn't walk away from his kids, right? I mean, mm-hmm. men are, can walk away from kids if there's a woman there. He couldn't, um, and he didn't. And he and he raised them, and he raised them good. And there, they took us to brunch the other day. I was like, yay, we got to go. Oh, for Father's we Day. For Father's Day and my yeah. birthday. So we, we're, we're doing pretty good. I was like, yeah, this yeah. is what it's supposed to be. No what doubt. it's supposed to be like. Like, I had none of the but pains of having babies, but I have kids. And to be honest with you, if a, um, whether it's the mother or, or father, there's some things you will want to do differently. If you're honest with yourself, and, and Katrina, I'm, um, I'm pretty sure you'll say the same thing. If you could do some things differently, you probably mm-hmm. would. You know, it hasn't been yeah. perfect. I wasn't perfect, you know, but I was steady and I was consistent. But if you could go back and you look back and say, oh, that's some things I I wish I could have done differently. And if you're being honest with yourself, that is, you know, that's pretty much a true statement. Oh yeah, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. And and it is it is one of those things where you know I used to say, you know, after having kids as they're growing up, you know, they you have to go through um, tests and and um, learn learning how to drive, and you have to get a learner's permit, and you have to do all this. But <laughs> all you need is the body parts to have one of the most important jobs ever. And yeah, um, there's true, a lot of true. us that, that mess it up, you know. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, it, but it is humbling. It is humbling, right, Michael? Yeah. Because, yeah, we don't, we're don't. we not perfect. I, there's definitely some yep. things I would have done differently. Yep. But, but you have to just keep being persistent, and, and that's exactly what you did, and it paid off. So let's, let's well, talk about our... our our own fathers. Is that where you were going, Sabrina? Yeah, I was. Um, I, I'm, I mentioned uh, in another video show I was very lucky. I had both of my parents uh, until I was uh, an adult and married. So, you know, they they both lived very long lives, and I had them the whole time, and they were married uh, the entire time, you know, so married 50-plus years. So, uh, But one of the things I always admired about my dad and was that <clears> – <throat> There weren't that many dads on in my neighborhood, and so my mm-hmm. father was that father figure for a lot of kids. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I want to give a shout out to the men that do that. You know, they they pick up that slack. You know, they they know that there are kids that don't have a father around. And, and my dad worked a full time job, and sometimes you know, we were a little resentful of the fact that he worked so hard and he was gone. And then you know, there were those times and days that my mother would just not let us speak to him because he was exhausted and I get it now but at the time you know you wanted right. to you wanted to bother him but uh he he was just um yeah he was he was Mr. Williams to everybody on that street and I I was I remember when he died and we were having the service uh and and people wanted to speak and there were people that came to my father's funeral and they were telling stories about some man that I didn't really even know because they had stories that I had never heard. But there were a lot of kids that were now men 
that spoke about the fact that my father always checked on them and would, would back in the day when you could keep them in line, even though, you know, they weren't your kid, he could he could say something to them or if he caught them on the street and he would say it and they would straighten up and fly right because they knew Mr. Williams was going to be uh-oh, looking for him around that corner the next time he saw him doing something stupid. But um, and no one, you know, was calling the police on him and saying like, "Why are you touching my kid?" They were just like, "Oh, Mr. Williams told you you cannot do that. You cannot do that." And that was it. So it was a sort of takes a village thing back in the day. I don't know if the kids, you know, if they have that so much now that you know people feel that they they will speak up and say, "Hey, you shouldn't be doing that," or "What's wrong with you? Or you're going to kill yourself if you do that." So I just, I just wanted to, you know, acknowledge the men that are kind of watching out for those kids in the neighborhood that they know don't have that father figure like my dad did. Sabrina, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Um, when sh- sharing your father, were you ever jealous because you had to share your father with the other kids? Oh, mm. my God. <laughs> well... <laughs> It was it was something because, you know, you were always trying to get his attention. So I, I've told people that right. story a few times, and even with the two brothers, because I'm an only girl, and definitely daddy's girl. Um, but <laughs> I would do things, and it's funny, I would even do things later in life with men that I had relationships with. I noticed that it was something that I developed when I was a child, because you're right, you wanted to get that five minutes with him or ten minutes with him. So whatever he liked, I liked you know, and to this day, I like army oh, movies because uh, if I watched, if if I turned that channel to something else, he would leave the room. So I would watch whatever would keep him in the room. And so if it was an army movie with bombs going off, yeah, that's my movie. I'm gonna watch it. So you're right. Yeah, you would you would do whatever to get your five minutes of time with want, with him. You always want, you wanted to smoke a cigar like your dad too, didn't you? <laughs> I sure did. Yes, yes. You heard me. Uh, you heard me. I, I was like, he he smoked a cigar every night, and Michael was with me just now on a vacation, and I wanted to buy a cigar, and it was a little, a little cigarello like he always used to smoke. I still got it in the wrapper, but they just remind me of him. The smell of them, the the, the lighting of them, it just brings back my father relaxing with his his cigar, as he called it, his cigar. <laughs> okay. That's that's cute. That's cute. Well, I think um, this is Ange, and for for me, I I was very lucky in that I had a stepfather who adopted me when I was a baby, um, but he knew who my father was, as did my mother, and I didn't know who my father was. I knew he came by a lot, um, or the man who I thought was Mr. Fixit Man was really my real father who came by. So I had. <laughs> Um, the love of my mom and my stepfather and my real father. And Michael's laughing because he he knows my family story is so huge and, you know, um, there's so many intricacies with my family. But I, I did have the love of my stepfather and my and my real father. I have my stepfather's last name, but um, my father was there. Both of them were there. Uh, probably, I think I... One of them passed the first year I was in college, or right before I went to college, and the, the other one passed the, the year of the college. So they they passed one year, about one year away from each other, um, both immigrants to this land. And so I see immigrants now, and I'm just like, wow, My both of my fathers came from Honduras. So it was like, I think about 
the immigrant situation right now and right. where I would be mm. if not for, you know, my family. Um, they didn't cross the border. I think blue, but still. Um, yeah. But I did have the love of both a father and a stepfather. And I had my brother-in-law, after my mom passed away when I was nine, my brother-in-law, um, my sisters took me basically and told my stepfather that they were going to raise me. So, I mean, that was that was what that happened. That was that. Right? That was what happened. That was that. <laughs> um, and so, and he was fine with that. I mean, these, those were my big sisters, and my sister. He wasn't a Michael, my, huh? He wasn't a Michael. He couldn't. He couldn't have handled it, huh? He wasn't. Well, he he probably could have handled it, but he had three women who said, "Well, we're going to raise her." Um, you know, my three older sure. sisters. So it, it wasn't like. There wasn't a fight or an argument. It was just like, okay, that's no, what it was. I'm sure he was <laughs> sad because <laughs> you left his home, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he had to, he left, and so um, so he lost his wife, and he lost you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I'm sure that wow. was a little challenge. Was a little challenging, but um, I did visit him. He moved to Arizona, and I I did mm-hmm. visit him. I remember he used oh. to answer the phone. He would say, "Hello," and "Good morning." That's how he would answer uh, the phone. And I remember that. that. Um, I love hello that. and good morning. That just always sticks with me. That that's how he answered the phone. But I, you know, I think about him and I think about my my real real father. And they were friendly, you know. And so you don't have mm-hmm. that a lot either. And then my brother-in-law uh, actually helped raise me as well. Because when my mom died and I was nine, and I moved in with my sisters and my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law was that father figure as well. That's so awesome. We have a we have a caller, and if you want to ask a question or make a comment, can you please just press one, and we will open up the phone line for you. Again, if you want to dial in to, um, if you're listening online and you want to dial in to ask a question, please dial three four seven. Eight five seven two eight seven eight. Again, three four seven eight five seven two eight seven eight. If you want to call and join the conversation about fathers. Okay, so we have a uh, caller with seven one seven area code, and I think I know who yep. this is. But please introduce yourself. Hi, can you hear me at all? Yes, we can, can you hear, hear you. Okay, okay. Yes. Well, this is why I'm asking. Um, I'm on. I Trina. I am Trina's sister. Tina, I'm calling in, but um, I am in New Orleans, and I'm on the middle of the Mississippi River. Well, actually, we're about to um, sail off on a dinner cruise. We had early seating. I thought we were going to push off at 7, but we have seating early, and so now we're actually on the boat. So I'm wondering if you can still hear me. So I can can hear you. Oh, great. Great. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, All right. Well, um, go for it. We don't want to keep you too long if you're you're out. And thank you for interrupting your vacation to join the show. Well, I and asked, I didn't want to I miss asked this, the, Trina. You know, I didn't. Yeah. Well, I asked her to call in. So so Dean, Dean and I have um, a more a less stellar childhood, and um, she is also a writer. She's already written one book, and now she's working on another one. And she made a post on Father's Day that was um, really um, you got you got a bit of back background behind you, Dina. Is there a way you can move, or is there music? Oh yeah, yep. I I can I can move. There's music. Um, hold on, let me okay. find a place. <laughs> okay. Right. Really I'm heading to a quiet place. place. 
Okay, we well, party with her on the boat. Yeah, so. well, well, yeah, and she's a Zumba right? instructor, so she's always ready to. I'm she's ready, always but ready. I, I, can, party. I can't tell what the music is. <laughs> so can you can you hear me a little bit better? I'm yeah, this is good. Yes, yeah, good. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, so um, I wrote my father's, um, and it really has come in my life where are um, taking a turn. Hey Dina, wherever you moved, you're breaking up. You're breaking up now. Can you go okay. in the middle? Okay, so can you hear me a little better here. Yes. Hear me better here. Yes. Okay. So um, you know that you end up having ailing or aging parents, and I am at the point where I am taking care of my father. He's 72 years old, um, and he's schizophrenic. It looks like he's had some kind of dementia. But what makes my relationship with my dad right now very fascinating is I didn't grow up with him. He um, actually took a man's life when I was around five or six years old, and he ended up in prison. So mm. my memories of my dad, and I listed this on my Facebook post, was of visiting him in jail down in North Carolina at a penitentiary. Okay. So I was visiting with him, and they had what was called family days. They, they called it that. I always thought it was kind of odd, but it was Fourth of July weekend, and we would come down. A bunch of my cousins, his oldest sister, took us in, um, took Trina and my twin sister and I in um, after the death of our um, our dad. Was, my dad wasn't around, and so we would go down and we would bring buckets of Kentucky Fried Chicken to the prison yard and I would visit with him. And I remember thinking how much I didn't know him, but every year for about four or five summers, we would go and see him. And they would say, do you know who, who this is? And he would always say, you're getting bigger, you're so beautiful. He would tell me that I look like um, Yvonne or Mom at the time, which I do. Um, it was just such an odd and I, I want to say introduction to my dad because he left us when I was three. So unless you have some really vivid memories of up until you're three years old, you really are introduced to a parent, father figure, mother figure, someone later on in life. Even though they know you, you don't really recall them. So I remember at 10, 11, 12 years old, like, I don't know who this man is, but he's supposed to be my dad. But when I turned uh, 14 years old, I enrolled into a boarding school in Pennsylvania, and he came home from prison. And I can remember him keeping the same prison schedule. Like he would get up early, he would have his breakfast, and he would go and lay down. It was almost like he was still in prison. It was really sad to witness for a long time. He would sleep a lot during the day. And then I learned as I grew older that he was on psychotropic meds, and so sometimes that kind of would make him tired. It was because he would hear voices or see things, and I think it was his delusions that caused him to take this man's life. It was a Mm. very... Dina? probably too far out now. Yes, she probably is. Okay, so I'll finish the story. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so, so, yeah, this is my stepfather, Merle, and... um, my mom married him when I was six, and my sisters are yes, seven years younger than me. But um, she is she's writing her life story. She wrote about different losses that she had before, 
So she actually preceded me in kind of writing about the difficult stuff in our lives. And she, um, we've been in touch because she's been help, asking me to help fill in the gaps, you know, from when they were so young. And um, right. so we're texting back and forth. And then when I saw this post on Father's Day, I was like, yeah, well, of course I started crying because it really made me, you know, I don't cry ever, right? Um, <laughs> no. But it, it just, it, 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 the maturity, so she's 45 now, and the maturity of being able to look at the whole longitude of this relationship and think about what it was like as a child and, you know, this coming back together, getting older. And, by the way, he lost his, his second wife um, to cancer last fall, so now he's a widower. Mm-hmm. And, and after, he, after he passed, Deanna and her husband moved him a half a block away so that they could be closer to, you know, help take care of him and, and be close. And um, I was just showing Ange this picture I'm about to share um, which she posted on my page on Facebook, um, but I just I just thought she I had to invite her to come and and share this story because it's so poignant. So I don't know if anyone has has any reaction or. Well, I, I think it is a very poignant story that um, and that you were there to help her fill in fill in the blanks and you know it's a testament to sometimes the family and how resilient they are and even though there's a separation or that you know someone's done something in your in your life and you're not happy with or you just don't understand when you're a kid as you get older and you realize wow this is these are the sacrifices that this person made for me my dad made for me and um and and you just show that love you know that it's it's just truly truly an amazing thing because you don't know what your parents are going through when they're trying to raise you you, you just you have no you have no clue you have no mm-hmm. concept of it until mm-hmm. you get older and as an adult and you realize all these things, and, and you're just pleased to be able to, you know. I'm sure she's happy to be able to help, to help. And I do remember when your, you went and your stepmother yeah. mm-hmm. passed away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to have, to have all these traumatic experiences, life experiences, and and for her to, be writing and trying to tell the testimony. And I didn't see the post that she did, but I I, I, I will take time to read it. If you let me know where it is. I will yeah, I just posted it to my page and I tagged the show as well. So. So anyway, yeah, we you know we get to learn and grow and heal and forgiveness is available and um, and I you know it's been interesting for me also kind of watching him mm-hmm. grow up because I will admit that I had some anger towards him yeah when I was young um, and we talked about that the other day when we were you know when we were kind of you know discussing kind of this path that she's taking but he has grown into oh this is the other piece that she wrote about. He um, he was always musical, so he plays the flute. He found the Lord, so he he got saved. He sings in the choir. He has this um, tenor voice, and he is really one of her friends. Posted on her pay, on her remarks, like, I just never knew this about your dad. He was always such a gentle giant. So mm-hmm. you know, people, this is about forgiveness and redemption. And so I know we talk about criminal justice issues on this show as well. And this is a person who um, was under a difficult situation with the mental illness and everything. It caused a a break. He paid his debt to society. He has reentered society. And, um, 
you know, and now he's in the, you know, the twilight of his life, but he gets to enjoy re- this rekindled relationship with his daughter. Yeah. Very good. Good story. So um, I guess I want to try to just talk about other fathers uh-huh. <laughs> who have done, like, just such tremendous things. Um, you know, I mentioned my family and all of the men in my family who have, have been there and who have raised their kids. I, I mean, I've had, you know, a cousin who girlfriend walked away from their their son and he's just done an amazing job raising his son and um you know I have my niece who fathers my nieces who you know fathers have, have been there supporting them um in, in everything they do. So it it's you know, you hear so often and, and Michael made mention of this is that men just get such a bad rap in terms mm-hmm. of being there for the for their kids. And um, I think part of it is is the media. Um, part of it is mm-hmm. is true in some instances because I'm sure if Q were here, she would talk about her relationship with her father mm-hmm. um, that you know wasn't so stellar. But um, I think that there's so many women that I do know and men who have had good relationships with their with yeah. their fathers, whether they be black, white, brown, or otherwise. So. Um, and and the relationships, whether like you know we were just talking to Michael and he's a you know single dad and then you know we have my father, you know conventional traditional dad your your dad's stepdad and you know absentee dad but late in life dad I mean we've got all kinds of dad relationships just with the people in this call it's just amazing yeah yeah absolutely also you know so, let me inter- can I interject something here absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Economics plays a, a, a vital role too, because if mm-hmm. um, money is not coming in the home, it's no, then there's no stability, you know. And a lot of time that breaks up the home, you know. A lot of times a female has a job, but for some reason the male cannot find or the man cannot find a job. That causes arguments, there's strife, and a lot of time that breaks up the home, you know. The biggest, a lot of time the, the biggest, the, the, the male feel. Beg your pardon? It's the biggest cause of breakups, money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His, his self-esteem, he has no self-esteem. He ends up drinking or he's on drugs. You know, then there's division. He leaves the home. The, the woman is left sometimes to, you know, to take care of the kids. So um, that that's a very important factor there. Yeah, and it's 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 complicated but you know i do think that particularly um in the black community that there 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 are these stereotypes and as you can see just in this show that is not the norm necessarily mm-hmm. but it is what gets played out and you know again our dads get a bad rap and stuff like that for sure and it does happen so, in the white community as well Trina exactly, very well you know exactly so it does but they happen don't get in the, the white community but they don't get the they don't get the stereotype just like they don't get the stereotypes about welfare well, knowing that yeah. that that there are it's more so white true. families on welfare it's welfare. so true right mm-hmm. right one of the things mm-hmm. that happened and i think this was during the clinton era um, in terms of, of welfare, that they made it challenging for if you were on welfare to have a man in the house, you know, yes. that you couldn't have a man right. in the house. If you were on welfare, there couldn't be a man in the house. So if the father did want to be there, um, 
the government made it challenging, you know, to to have someone else in the home, whether or not he was working or looking for work or whatever the case was, if you were on welfare, you couldn't have a man in house. Now, is that not like deliberately, intentionally yeah. trying up, to breaking keep breaking up the family? Apart? Yeah. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. And I have a movie reference. Sabrina? Okay. <laughs> yes. Claudine. Claudine. Oh yes, I know. I was I was looking yes. at my movie references yep. for different yep. different ones, but yeah, Claudine. Yes. It was, this uh, was what Diane Carroll and James. Diane Carroll and James Earl Jones. Jones. Yeah, James I Jones. know that was before my time. Oh well, you know we're the same age. <laughs> Be quiet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I but remember a, seeing that like. A few years ago, and really, really getting right, the, right, the right, dynamic right. of it. Like now, I didn't get it when I was younger. Like, yeah. Okay, you didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and the significance of having of having a black woman, you know, and a black man on camera. Like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, that was serious back right. then. So, right. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, so I will be remiss. And then there was even a more modern version of it. You know, Tyler Perry did his thing with Daddy's Little Girls. And you saw the yes. case where a man was trying to get custody of his girls and how yes. difficult it was for him to try to get girls away from a stereotypically bad mother. But nonetheless, I mean, just that whole dynamic of the courts really not being very helpful when a man is trying to get custody of his children. And it was just really difficult. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen that with people, you know, just, you know, the bar is set so high for them. I mean, the mother just pretty much has to halfway kill the kids before they can take them away from us. But. Right. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay, so I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment to shout out my dad, Frank Hicks. You heard the story about my stepdad, but um, I, and I, will, I will try to be brief. And I, the story about your real dad. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I actually met him for the first time when I was 48, so it's going on four years ago now. Wow. And so I grew up without my father. Um, My mother, like I said, she married my stepfather, and and then she passed when I was 14. Um, Well, they broke up also, so as Dina said. They broke up, so we still ended up in a single-parent household, a single-mother household with the grandmother, Matriarch Michael, like you were talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. Um, and my mother told me my father's name. She told me that he was a police officer in D.C., and she never said a bad word about him. I just knew that he existed. But I took on this kind of, like, um, shame, worry, being afraid, I didn't want to try to meet him. I did not want to be rejected. So I took on this, like, bravado, like, well, I'm good. You know, my family took care of me, and, yeah, some, some bad stuff happened, but so what? And and I had my, my ex-husband try to get me to talk mm-hmm. to find my father. My sister, D- Dina has a twin. Her name is Annie. Annie would always say, but your dad, don't you want to know your father? And I'm like, no, I'm good. Um, my, my mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And then my daughter, you know, she had one of those genealogy projects, and she she was like, well, so what about, I don't understand, I, like, your dad? And I'm like, yeah, he, he wasn't around. End of conversation, right. you know. 
Um, and then, lo and behold, my sister finds me. I'll belabor the very long story. Um, she finds me on Facebook. Come to find out, he had been talking about me for years. He had, but, mm. you know, this is back in the day. He's in his 70s now. And so he didn't have access to Internet and technology and things like that. But she did. And um, she actually did some slew things. She even got in touch with Mari Povic to try mm. to get... <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you did? Well, I'm really glad that didn't work. And Mari will find you, yes. Daddy. Yes, but we're not trying to, no. You are the father, you know. <laughs> but I would just fast forward and say it has been one of the most phenomenal experiences in my life to meet my father, this man who is so loving, um, so industrious, and and so principal we get we talk about politics he's always sharing stuff on facebook and and the entire family has embraced me uh, so i have three other i have five sisters i have two on my mom's side and three on my dad's side and it has been just beautiful being reintegrated but i also one of the things i love and that i, I almost didn't even get the chance to experience is actually getting to know this man and who he is, his principles, his character, his leadership, and and really understanding that that was a whole piece of my my history mm-hmm. that I was, was missing, missing. Mm-hmm. completely. So do I'm you see grateful. traits of you? Do you see traits that you have that he has also? Oh yes, oh yes. So <laughs> Sabrina, you have met Wendy. I sure so have. You know this. This um, multitasker, get stuff done, have a busy yeah, job. Yeah, you all have that. <laughs> Jamaican yes. man for real. Jamaican man yes. for real. Um, and so once I met them, because I have a lot of people in my life who look at me and go, hey, don't you get tired? What What are you doing now? How? You know, and I'm just like, now I now that I met, like he is still working. Um, he, 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 you know, kind of went through the, the, um, he became a police officer, then a, um, a um, see, I'm going to get it all wrong because this is new new information, but he's had several jobs in law enforcement. And now, even though he's in his 70s, he's part-time bailiff in a courtroom. Oh, wow. And he, he, hurt his, he hurt his foot the year before I met him because he fell off his roof because he's in his 70s up on the roof, repairing the roof. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when I met them all, I was like, ah, aha. <laughs> now this I get is it. Where? <laughs> yes. 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 Um, and then now I'm gonna, now I, I just have to because I walk myself up to the line. I, I have to do a shameless plug because I just wrote about this story in a book that just came out this week and is now a... International bestseller on Amazon called The Art of Unlearning, Uh, Volume 2, Top Experts Share Personal Stories of Power and Perseverance. And when I, you know, when I first, I remember the first time I told Ange and and Sabrina and the gang about this story, people were like, you got to write about this. This is, (laughs) oh, my goodness. Um, I... When this opportunity to be a part of this book project came up, I just was like, okay, I have to do it. 
I have to write about my father. I have to write about this incredible story. And so I'm just really honored because there's nine other women who have written about losses, you know, losing children, overcoming abuse, all these types of things, and all have turned into contributors, mm-hmm. um, not of the book, but just of society and of the world and people who, who do good. And, 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 and I think it's just a testament to the human spirit that we all go through brokenness. Nobody's perfect. There are bad things that happen, just like Michael sharing about the things that happened in his childhood, losing his his wife, his bride, you know, when his children were young. But we get to move on. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, Trina, let me, I just returned from a black writers conference, and I applaud you. Oh, you didn't you. tell me about it? <laughs> no, I haven't shared it with you. I'll share it with you later. How difficult it is to write a book. I I applaud Mm. you. I mean, wow, Um, there's a process there. I mean, you you completed your first one, but to complete your second one, um, only thing I can do, if I was there, I would be bowing in front of you right now. Uh, It's a a difficult process, and um, I can learn a lot from you, and I will be you know, plucking your brain as I move forward. Oh. But um, congratulations to you. Thank you, my brother. And you know, whatever I can do to support you, I'm really, I, we've talked about your vision for your book, and um, I am looking forward to to being part of your bestseller campaign and, and getting you over that hump as well as, as, as soon as it happens. Mm, Thank you. Okay. All right. So we just want to uh, remind anyone who wants to uh, make a comment, if you want to dial in to 347-857-2878. And if you're on the line and you want to make a comment, just press 1 on the dial tone. If you just want to continue listening in, that is fine as well. Again, 347-857-2878. We are discussing more than just DNA, Daddy's Girl, Daddy's Girl Celebrating Black and Brown Fathers. So I think I want to switch gears just a little bit, and because we opened the show with a moment of silence because of the madness that is going on in our country, it seems like we have to have a moment of silence every every oh month. It's well, true. I, we have. We've had a moment of silence for every piece of shiggity that's been going on. That is going on in this country with this administration um, it, it is just, it's maddening sometimes, and it's hard to sometimes keep up with all of the madness that is, that is going on. But <laughs> we have seen, um, you know, the unfortunate separation of babies and young kids from their mothers primarily, um, but there are some fathers also who are trying to come into this country for a better life, and they are being separated from their kids um, who are being put in various detention centers around the country. And I think when we see these images of these of these young people, and Michael and I were talking a little bit about this, I think, today, about just the trauma that they are going to have to deal with as, you know, these young boys who are, you know, 6, 7, 8, 14, 15, and what they're going to have to deal with um, in terms of just 
living a life, if they're able to stay in this country, if they end up going back, if they're able to survive, if they grow up to be, you know, you, you have hopes and dreams for your kids, and you have hopes and dreams for yourself that you want to be, as Michael said, he want, he and his brother made this vow. They, they were going to be better, mm-hmm. you know, fathers than their, than their father was. Mm-hmm. So um, I just want to talk a little bit about what the impact of that could potentially have on these young boys who are being faced with these insurmountable odds and who may never see their parents again. I, it, it, is, it is tantamount to slavery because mm-hmm. we know that happened, right, the separation mm-hmm. of mothers and, um, from their kids, fathers from their kids during, during uh, slavery. It is, it is tantamount to that. We didn't, we didn't witness that because we weren't there at the time, but we have enough uh, accounts of it. We have enough photos of it. We know the history of it. Um, there was a picture that uh, came up the other day that I, I had seen before about the, um, the lynching museum in Alabama, mm. and just the shackles, and it just evokes those same images that we're dealing with right now, you know, with, with mothers holding on to their babies and just trying to, you know, mothers and fathers just trying to hold on to their kids. And to be in a situation right now where we are, where parents are being separated from their kids and they don't know where their kids are or if they will ever see their kids again. I mean, what is that, what is that doing to, what is that doing to us? Yeah. You know, how are we able to, going to be able to move on after seeing this so up close and personal? Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know how the workers you. are doing it. I really don't. I mean, I don't know how they're, pulling these kids away and thinking that they're doing the right thing. I, I don't understand how they can go home to their kid. And, you know, I, you know, one day I just wish you, you know, you go to like a, a bus station or something and somebody just says all of a sudden, you know, you're going over to Canada border. You know, you got to go over there and you got to go over there. I mean, if you're in an airport and you're going someplace and they took your kid away just for a minute in like Zurich or something, you would lose your mind. Exactly. The travesty right. of this all is that – um. They don't have a system to reconnect the the, the, to reconnect the kids them. with their parents. No, and no, some of these no kids they can't even all. speak. They're, they're so young they don't speak yet. How are they going to say who they are? Yeah. Right. You know, they're, they're giving they're giving the parents an eight hundred number to call exactly. to find their children. Right. An eight hundred number. Right. 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 I can't and, even and get then, my Sears repairman on an eight hundred number. They're going to find their child somewhere in Michigan. Well, the thing is, is that under the, you know, this kind of walking back and reversing the decision and coming up with these quote-unquote family detention, you know, it also sets up a dynamic whereby the parents, it's difficult for them to, you know, they know what's going to happen if when they come back. Yeah. You know what I mean? If they even are, even if they even have the information of where to get the kids from, you know, it's just it is such a mess. And I, I have, you know, as a parent, um, as someone who lost my mom at a at a young age, you know, you see kids from diapers up to teenagers who are dealing with this. It's this will, no matter what happens. You know, we pray as many of them can get reunited with their families, but we know that that's going to be a low percentage. Mm-hmm. It's going to have an irreparable damage to these children's yep. psyches, 
Um, I tortured myself at work the other day and listened. Did anybody see that post where the audio? I couldn't. I couldn't listen. I couldn't oh. listen, and then I think we had the news on the other day, and it was on for a little bit. Oh. And I just had to leave. I, Hearing... I could not listen to the cries, and you know, then and then you're dealing with the language barrier as well. So you have someone translating what the what the kid is saying, and it was just it was just too it, it was excruciating. Yeah. It was excruciating. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know. I get. I have a friend who talks about, um, you know, uh, God and that her God is a smoting and smiting God. <laughs> There's gonna be some people that's gonna get smote. And smite over some of this stuff. <laughs> Somebody's kind of. You know, I don't want to make light of it, but it's you no, know, it's. I'm it's, not. It's, I'm not making. I'm dead serious. Someone's going to pay. There's going to be a special place yeah. in hell for people yeah. who made this policy and, and 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 thought that this would be a good idea. To, you know, you know, you talk about the terrorists putting um, people in places so that they won't be bombed. You know, so they're thinking that the bombs won't fall, like, like they're putting human shields. And it's like, well, you know, you, you're one step below, you know, you're almost there. You're going to take a baby thinking like, oh, well, they won't come. I said, if if you think that someone is going to kill you in one country or kill your children or kill, you know, your husband or something, you're going to run. And you're going to run no matter what with the kids and you're going to come here and then just have all of this foolishness go on while you're trying to claim asylum. And and you've got this totally unfeeling country going, no, don't give me any more tired or poor or asylum seekers because, you know, I have mine and I'm keeping it. It's just right. unbelievable. Right. Yeah. yeah. And this, the money that's being made off of this. Uh, I, oh, I'm you waiting. Know, you always got to follow the money. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I saw an article. I'm going to have to try to find it where they were talking about the billions of dollars of, of you know, contractors that are building these institutions and, mm-hmm. you know, the Walmart and the, like, everyone is. Oh, yeah, well, whoever got the order for the 20,000 beds, he's he's happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just saw something about the Pentagon being, planning on housing 20,000 kids. Yeah, oh, yeah, where did 20,000 well, come from? Because. Yeah, yeah, they just requested twenty thousand beds. Twenty three hundred went to twenty thousand. Yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. You told us there were twenty no thousand. Mhm. It's yeah. gonna be just yeah. like well, the the, I, the pipeline into prison, the pipeline into detention. Exactly. Someone's making money. That's, that's all it is. They're they're making money. Once it's listed on the stock market, it is it is a money maker for real. Even before mm-hmm. then, but definitely then. But I, you know, there has been a little pushback, so that's I guess a kind of good thing with a couple of the airlines saying that they were not going to be be transporting these kids anymore and um, I, th- I saw something with a flight attendant saying they were not going to work a shift where they realized that there were kids being transported that at first they didn't realize what was going on and now that they know they're just like uh, no we're just not going to do this we're not what did you think it was a little midget soccer team <laughs> I don't know what they thought it was what did you think it was <laughs> Was, but they were definitely dressed mm. like all alike, you know, in gray sweats and just, you know, looking like little yeah. prisoners. prisoners. Little prisoners, with the exception of. Wow. And it, it's like sweat. the cost of this. You can't tell me how much is this costing yeah. us. You talk about building it's a wall. Costing us, costing us the money. 
it's costing us some money. So I, I digress, but I wanted to get that in because, yeah. you know, as we're talking about fathers and, you know, this past Sunday, Father's Day, and kids, and it, it is it is just really telling what what's going on in this country right now and and how this is going to impact so many. Well, one thing, I mean, it was it was Ivanka that finally got. It sounds like you know, I mean, there was a lot of pressure being put on Trump, and he was pretty adamant that he wasn't going to switch. But it was his daughter that finally said, you know, what are you doing? And and got him to write the executive order just to stay with that. I mean, it was a daughter. It was. She was finally the one. Even his wife didn't really turn him around, but she was able to say, I can't believe you're doing this. Well, yeah. I heard also that the evangelicals also stepped up to the plate, finally. Yeah, Some exactly. Of them. Some of them. Some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they won't even bake a cake, so I don't even talk about them. But <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't well, look for them for nothing. As we're about to wrap up, I wanted to ask Michael, our resident dad here, for for the evening. Um, we we've got four minutes left. Can you share um, a lesson or two that you, or that you would like to share to some of the younger fathers that may be listening about fatherhood? Oh, that's a good one. Thank you for putting me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> my job. That's my job. <laughs> that's one of her jobs. My best advice is to listen and have the ability to adapt on the fly, so mm. to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, because a lot of times children, um, they'll share with you what their concern is, but a lot of times if you're, if you're caught up in, you know, what you think needs to be done, sometimes you'll miss the message. Mm-hmm. So that's my advice, just to listen more. You know, be attentive. Put the phone down. Put the phone down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And be involved in yeah, what they true. do. And, mm-hmm. and, and and also, if they have a handheld device, please monitor that. Set the permission so they don't receive or they can get in, uh, certain information. That is mm-hmm. very important. You know, yeah, absolutely. You don't want somebody else raising your kids. You want to be in full control. Wow, Excellent. I can't even imagine how, wow. how how hard it is now with all this all this stuff floating around. Yeah. Yes, so, that challenge. We knew we know how challenging we were as kids, and we didn't have any of these devices. Right, exactly. Right. Exactly. We didn't have any. We didn't have pages, folds, none of this. No computers. What? So, um, nope. yeah. Mom is coming very in and cut that TV off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good Very, very good advice. Thank you so much. Well, thank you both for being on our call today. We truly, truly appreciate it. Um, and, again, Revolutionary Sisters of the Diaspora is here every third Thursday. At, every third Thursday at 7 p.m. and uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. And our next show is Thursday, July 19th at 7 p.m., and our topic is Give Us Free, Setting Our Path yes. of Independence. Because July is Independence Month, so um, we will see or hear all of you back here Thursday, July 19th for Give Us Free, Setting Our Path of Independence. And with that, I will sign off as Ange. 
and and Trina and Sabrina. Michael. And Michael. Michael. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Dina, thank for, you. for calling in as well. Have a great evening, everybody. Thank you so much. Good night. Good night.